Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals featuring 410 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information and with me as always is luke aka Groose americana spunky i gotta shout out the wu-tang name generator there <laughs> so i i actually it's funny i actually and it's weird this is a total coincidence folks but i actually put my name in the wu-tang this is crazy in the wu-tang generator and arrogant assassin or something <laughs> like that like it was totally fitting um all right so what are we talking about today right so today is part three in our epic, critically acclaimed Browns Timeline of Terror series. We continue to, you know, we continue to get just a lot of really good feedback on this. I think people, you know, I said it the last one, I, I just think people enjoy our pain. Uh, and I will probably say that this third rendition that covers the 2009 through 2013 seasons is probably the most terrorist part of the timeline with with without question before we get into that football might be over but the nba college basketball and nhl are just heating up and the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag betonline even covers awards tv shows and reality tv BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, there is always the 24-hour online casino. It never closes. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. And with that, let's get into the terror. Key numbers in this period. Our record was 23 and 57. So the worst of the three so far, just for memory purposes, 04 to 08 was 28 and, and 52. And then 99 to 03 was 26 and 54. So we lost five more games than the previous five year period. Coaches during this period. Oh, man. Eric Mangini, who actually didn't d- didn't do too bad. Pat Shermer, who's the second worst uh, second worst coach in the the modern era of the Browns, and uh, Rob Chudzinski. And now New York is seeing how how bad it is. And man, can you imagine having boring press conferences in New York City? I could not imagine. And and we talked about this in our NFL off-season recap episode so if you haven't listened to that go back where we get much more into detail but I just couldn't imagine having Gettleman and Shermer as as, as the faces of my franchise along with you know Daniel Jones uh anyways Browns 2009 through 2013 the best season 
it, it, folks, it was... <laughs> <laughs> I had dig for this one. It was 2009. In my opinion, that was the best because that was really the only there was that was really the only time where there was actually you know any optimism. They started the 2009 season one and eleven. That's when Mike Holmgren, uh, yeah, yeah. Mike Holmgren came in. Mangini was the coach, but they finished four and zero. They won their last four games, and really that kept. Mangini on. He was a lame duck coach going into the the 2010 season, but you know having that strong finish um, at the end of the 2009 season, you know really had a lot of uh, optimism going into to 2010. So let's get into it. Who's your favorite player during this period? So it, as we did mention, it was a rough period, um, and th this kind of reflects it. But I, my favorite player was was Joe Hayden, but I guess the best player would have been. Alex Mack. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, that's it. This period was. You don't. Just you awful. don't have anything else. No. This. This was just. You know. Yeah. He, he, uh, <laughs> there was a pause there because I was waiting for him to to expand on that. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know what I else. literally don't have anything because this this period of uh, of football for the Browns was just so so bad. You're right. <clears throat> so I, in my notes, I, I I actually have the phrase. Not a lot to choose from mm -hmm. <laughs> written. I mean, I'm going to go with Cribs, uh, Josh Cribs, in this period. And the crazy thing is, is you know, he's a special. He was primarily a special team player. Uh, in this period, Josh Cribs had three kickoff returns for touchdowns, two punt return touchdowns. He had one rushing touchdown, and he had six receiving touchdowns. He also had 91 catches. You know, I think when you have two, you know, I would say that you and I are, are fairly large Browns fans, mm -hmm. very big followers of the team, um, have some historical perspective. When you have two Browns fans and they're looking at a five-year period and their favorite players or the best players during that period are a center and a kick returner, returner um, that, that sort of indicates where they are at or were at during that period. That 2009 he had was um, coming pretty much the, uh, the last year of really just elite Returning at yep. 1,500 kick return yards and three touchdowns that year, uh, returning the ball, and it got a little bleak there. And then at the, and then 2012, actually not, I mean not bad. He's at 814 yards, just no no more touchdowns after that. And he actually had 1,200 return yards in 2012. So, but yeah, he was a fun player. I was just, I was, I I guess I was just never in the camp of pay the man when that when that campaign was going on because. Like you said, over that five-year period, he had 91 catches. I, I was, but once we paid him, it, it was over. Right. You know, we were paying him for past Lifetime production, and we all know that that's not your cup of tea. Nope. You don't see any value in rewarding guys. Not, not after the fact. Look what it did. All right, who was the best draft pick in your mind? <clears throat> um. The best was Mitchell Schwartz. It was a value pick in the second round. Um, this was a tough. This is just so hard. It's just so is, embarrassing. This is you know, guy. This is Tom Heckert, George Kokinas, uh, Mike Holmgren. I mean, we've already talked about two linemen. <laughs> yeah, this you know there there wasn't a lot to choose from. Anything else you want you want to throw in there on Mitchell Schwartz? Um, Who now Mitchell Schwartz with you know his career with Kansas City he's actually he's he's gotten paid twice by Kansas City he's made some Pro Bowls I mean Mitchell Schwartz has actually en ended up having a pretty decent career Who drafted him Who was the GM Was that Heckert He was drafted in 2012 which would have been probably Tom Heckert Yeah it was Heckert 
You know, my guy, I, I thought there was some okay guys to choose from uh, in this period. And this is crazy. You're going to look at me and you're going to be like, why? And I'm going with Jordan Cameron. Okay. Um, Jordan Cameron, and more of a value pick. He was selected at 102 in the fourth round in, in 2011. You know, his career was cut short by concussions. But it was because that dude... He was reckless across the middle. He it would was. get his he would get his lights knocked out. But he had the it factor. I mean, he was a playmaker for us when he was healthy. You know, we talked about on the last episode, the best on the last Browns timeline episode with Joe Thomas. You know, the best ability is availability. So, so my thing with Jordan Cameron was really more on his potential. He had 173 catches with us, 2,046 yards, 14 touchdowns, and he played in 66 games. If Jordan Cameron could have stayed healthy, he might still be a Cleveland Brown. I mean, you know, obviously he's out of the league now because he went to Miami and he continued to get even more concussions. So hopefully, you know, obviously, hopefully Jordan Cameron's health, his long-term health is good. But I thought he was a very fun player to watch. He was exciting. Um, Wait, you haven't kept up with him? I think his health is fine. He's, uh, He's dated and impregnated Elon Nordgren. You told me about so he's spending Tiger's money. Yeah, he is. He's living on that private island that she yeah. bought. Mm-hmm. Good for you, Jordan. Good for you. Who is your worst draft pick? Kind of take your pick here. Um, uh, I'll start with with I, I have three. Um, <laughs> well, why don't you just pick one just and narrow it down? Because you're going to take mine if you do all three. That's a good point. Um, I'm just going to say Trent Richardson is the worst one. I would disagree with we that. Traded, we traded up. And I don't normally disagree with you in these segments, <laughs> but I would disagree. With we him. traded up. He had a great rookie year. One spot. Until he got hurt when he broke his rib. We traded up one spot to take him. We traded a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh round. And we didn't even up. need to. We traded one up spot. in Minnesota. Yeah, who wasn't going to, obviously no. they weren't going to take him. No. Um, <clears throat> he spent three years in the league. Obviously, I think he ended up playing... 17 games for us he appeared in, 950 yards and 11 touchdowns he that had a first great, year. He, had a great, he was fine. It's he just, did good in the AAFL this year. It, <laughs> still had, I think he was under three yards of carry in that league. Oh, he was terrible. But um, but we ended up getting a first form that was, um, uh, what's his name, the GM? Um, from the Colts. Yeah, who fights with everybody on Twitter still about these trades. The, no, no, from the Browns. Uh, we took him from Philly. It's a done, Hecker, done. Tom Hecker. No, it was uh, it was uh, Banner. Joe oh, Banner traded Joe, him. Joe Banner. Jesus Christ. Joe Banner traded him and got a first round pick for him, which I thought was, at the time, was whatever. But uh, but yeah, that, I mean that was that was the worst pick. I mean, I would go with Barkevius Mingo. There was some good, I guess, bad ones. A lot of bad ones to choose from. Barkevius Mingo, we took at number six in the 2013 draft. That was a, I remember I was, I was sitting at a bar and I looked up at the screen and I, I, what are they doing? Undersized, didn't really have a great college career. I mean, obviously he was an SEC guy from LSU. He was a small pass rusher. And I had like I had Mingo on the list uh, along with Weed. And I'm just gonna throw that in there real quick. But uh, I had Mingo on the list, but um, I decided to give a pass because if you go back and look at that first round that year, these were the guys that were immediately sec- selected after Barkevis Mingo. It was Jonathan Cooper, no, Tavon Austin, nothing, D Milner, nothing, and then Chance Warmack. He's had an okay. Yeah. So look, it wasn't a great season, but our great you know EJ Manuel was taken. I'm looking at that. Jesus. Jarvis Jones, remember the linebacker? I don't even. I don't even know if he played. 
But uh, yeah, it was just it was just that was a terrible draft. Yeah, so that's why that's why I ended up going with Trent Richardson just because the trade up. Yeah. But, but I know I get I get your point. I mean he was he's basically a special teams player in uh, in Seattle now. You know Mingo started he only started 16 games in three seasons as a number one or excuse me as a number six overall pick in the first round to only get 16 games in three years is bad. You know he had no impact he had no presence on the field and he was just like I said before he was undersized so. Let's get into, you know, kind of off-season free agency moves. What do you think was the best free agency move that they made? I don't have one. I literally don't have one. <laughs> I have written, wow, <laughs> with two exclamation points. You know, I guess for me, you know, I, I forced myself to pick one. I'm going to go with Benjamin Watson. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know, we brought him in in 2010, three years, $12 million. We gave him six and a half guaranteed. He started 45 games for us in three years. He had 154 catches, 1,371 yards, eight touchdowns. And in, in 2010, he led the team in receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns. So, you know, for you to bring in a free agent to come in and impact the team like that, I guess, you know, that, that would go with, that would make you the best. The best of, of a very small pile. Who's the worst? Um, I also do not have one. <laughs> oh, I have one. And there's a no doubt about her. And it's Jake Delholm. That son of a bitch. <laughs> we also brought him in in 2010. We paid him $7 million. Wasn't he Wasn't he coming off like concussions, though? Didn't he, I don't care. I, I know. I know. It, it's not Jake Delholm's fault. It's, this is more of an evaluation of the front office. He started four games. I brought up, I, I was when I was doing research, I, I brought up an article uh, from Bleacher Report back in 2010. Jake DeHolm was number three on a Bleacher Report article calling out the 15 most overpaid players in the NFL. And that was a list that included Sam Bradford and Albert Hainsworth. <laughs> Those were the only two players that were that were higher than him. So Jake DeHolm's career was over at that point. That was, that was Mike Holmgren thinking that he was the quarterback whisperer, uh, bringing guys in and you know, again, that, that this isn't an indictment on Jake DeLome. It's an indictment on that front office and, and everything that they did to really not improve. Uh, you know, they, they set this team back um, for an extended period of time. So now I think yeah, that's a perfect, it's a perfect transition. You know, who's the person most responsible for the team's performance during this period? Um, I know I did this the first time, but uh, in the first, the first segment um, when I blamed the Lerner family and now Al had been gone now, so it's all Randy Lerner, just uh, completely just MIA at the end of this at the end of this thing, yeah. his tenure here. Um, you know he he was spending all his time. I believe he lived in, in London, in, yeah, or in England. He you know because he owns Aston Villa. Aston Villa. Yeah, he'd sold him actually not again, but but yeah, he was just MIA. Um, just just didn't care. Was the fine. team was sold during this period though? Correct. Yes, and yeah, and it's funny my person who's most responsible is the whole Mike Holmgren debacle and that's really my my most notable memory from this period we paid Mike Holmgren five years 40 million dollars when Randy Lerner sold the Browns to to the Haslam family he they sold the Browns for one billion dollars but the actual sales price was one billion sixteen million because of the sixteen million that was remaining on Mike Holmgren's contract, holy shit! That was I never actually, knew that. Jimmy Haslam had to pay for Randy Lerner's mistake. You know, Holmgren, coaching decisions, draft picks, 
the, the, the quarterback miscues, and, and, and you touched on it, but I have it written down here. You know, Randy Lerner's relationship with the team, he, Randy Lerner didn't want to, to be involved. He's not a Daniel Snyder, Jerry Jones. He wanted to take a step back, and, and, and Mike Holmgren hoodwinked him. I hope he cashed those checks wearing a fucking ski mask. Well, he, he tricked Randy Lerner. He came in to, be a, to interview for the coaching job. And I used that in air quotes. I think this was it was his plan the whole time. And and you know, ESPN Cleveland's own Tony Rizzo, Uncle Riz, will tell a story where there was a Friday um, during the season uh, when Randy Lerner, prior to him really making the decision that he was going to sell the team, he brought uh, Tony Rizzo into his office. It was a Friday during the season, and he was sitting there at like 1.30, and Mike Holmgren knocked on the door. He was wearing shorts and a, and a Hawaiian shirt, like, <laughs> like, a, like a Tommy John or whatever, uh, Tommy Bahama. Tommy Bahama shirt, and it's 1.30, and he knocks on the door, and he says, Hey, Randy, I'm leaving for the weekend. Uh, it was during the season, too, by the way. That you shirt know, can now be seen on Andy Reid at the owner's meeting. That's just indicative of this team, this organization, where they were at during this time. I mean, everybody was really happy. You know, I think the Haslam's, and we'll, we'll talk about this more in the next, in the, in, the, in, the, in the fourth and final installment, they've they've caught a lot of hell for how they've continued to manage the team, but I think we're, we're better off with an owner who's much more involved, him and his wife, than, than we were when, when Randy Lerner owned the team. So, of the three time periods we discussed, is this the worst? Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. 04 to 08 was the best, and then 99 to 03 was... It was similar to this one, There, there, but was, was there wasn't any expectations. Right. There was excitement. The Browns were back. We had a team again. This was nothing. No no hope, no direction, no, just no progress. I, I mean, just nothing. The only thing that there was, and in typical Browns fashion, was cruelly taken away from us, was... The phenomenon that was Josh Gordon, um, probably my favorite Brown, maybe of maybe since pre- previous to uh, 2018 here, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's just not. It was just it's just a, just a horrible period. Yeah, it's um, you know it's a shame. We're gonna leave it at that because I agree with you. Thank you, everybody, for one more listening. time. Though I want to add, we, oh. we, we did we did add seven names to the jersey. Oh man, I keep forgetting every time. I know it's something that we need to we, that we're happy to to, to talk about now. <laughs> but it was uh, Colt McCoy, Jake Delhomme, Seneca Wallace, uh, Brandon Whedon, Thad Lewis, who actually met and introduced himself to Joe Thomas in the huddle during a game. Nice and. Uh, Jason Campbell, Jason Campbell. and uh, Cleveland, Cleveland's own St. Ignatius, Brian Hoyer. I was actually excited about the the, the, the Jason Campbell thing. I kind of was, too. I was, I got tricked. Yeah, I've been hoodwinked by this organization. We were all hoodwinked by Mike Holmgren. Several times. Thanks, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't forget, at WC Sports Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like, follow, subscribe. We are now available on all of your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you consume uh, podcasts, we are available. We are also available on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-B. With that, we love you. 
and enjoy your lives. Protect that bag. Somebody suck me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.